You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. Good morning, Kingsway. My, uh, my, oldest, uh, my oldest child, my son, he's five years old. So uh, I've pretty much moved past the place where I make mistakes as a parent. <sighs> I'm kidding, of course. Uh, no, I, I still make, uh, make parenting mistakes all the time. Uh, the key is trying to avoid the mistakes that land my kid either in the hospital or in therapy. So uh, one, of the, uh, one of the parenting mistakes that I made this Christmas, and some of you may have made this mistake before, was the obnoxiously noisy toy mistake. <laughs> Anybody make the obnoxiously noisy toy mistake this Christmas? Some kindred spirits. My, my son, the, the only thing he asked for, we asked him what he wanted for Christmas, and the only thing that he told us all season long was, I want laser guns. I want laser guns so that I can run around and play with my dad. And so on Christmas morning, he opens up his, his laser guns, and it was great. He was so excited. The moment was totally worth it. And we've had a ball running around the house playing, acting all crazy. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. Except that these laser guns have one volume setting and it seems to be set to deafening. It's like, boo, 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 boo. Whoop, 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 whoop. Eh, 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 eh. there is no peace on earth in my house. And my wife's goodwill towards men is running dangerously thin. But you know, that's, that's actually not the worst thing about my son's Christmas presents. No, the worst thing about my son's Christmas presents is that after he gets finished opening just a, a bunch of new stuff, how quickly he can look at me and say, Dad, I'm bored and I got nothing to do. You just opened up a stack of new stuff that your grandparents bought you. How could you possibly have nothing to do? But you know, I, I can't blame the five-year-old because he's really just expressing the five-year-old version of what a lot of us feel as Christmas time comes to a close. A little letdown. A little bit like something's maybe missing. Now, maybe for you, you're, uh, you're feeling a little let down because of a Christmas present you didn't get. And you know, as adults, let's just admit it. We get disappointed too when we don't get something on our Christmas list. Or maybe it's, maybe it's something you got that didn't quite leave you as fulfilled as you thought it was going to. You know, maybe, maybe you're feeling a little, little let down, like there's a little something empty because you were looking forward to this time off. You were gonna get over the holidays and then you were gonna get some time to relax and get refreshed a little bit. But here we are at the end and you got work staring you at the face and you feel more depleted than you did whenever your break started. Maybe you're feeling, maybe you're feeling a little bit like, well, I was hoping this would be a time to get the family together and it would just be a really good time together, but we all got together and what it did is just amplify the problems that we've been having. Maybe you're feeling a little bit of uncertainty, you know, we got a new year coming up here in just a few hours and you're feeling some anxiousness. You're, you're, you're feeling some anxiousness because you know there's maybe some job uncertainty coming. Maybe you've got some changes coming to some of your relationships. Maybe you know there's some financial difficulties in front of you. 
Maybe you just really enjoy, you know, the joy and the spirit of the Christmas season. And whenever it comes to a close, it's kind of been masking something. And now you just sort of feel like you're left with this emptiness. Well, whatever it is, whether you're here with us today, listening online, whatever it is that you're feeling, I want to let you know that you're not alone if you're coming in today feeling like maybe there's something that's a little bit missing. You're not alone if you're feeling a little bit of anxiousness for, for what's coming ahead in the future because a lot of us have this same feeling like here we are just less than a day out from a new year and like I don't maybe have the peace in my life that I thought that I would. Well, as we're wrapping up our Christmas series today, we've been, uh, we've been trying to spend this Christmas season looking more at, at, at why it is Jesus came. Like, who did Jesus come to be? Why did he come to be with us, among us, as one of us? And we've been looking at this verse several times, Isaiah chapter nine, verse six, where these prophetic titles about who Jesus was going to be, uh, that this prophet was giving to us. And he says this in the verse, he says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And it's that last one that we're gonna zero in on this morning, Prince of Peace. Now, saying that Jesus came to usher in peace, like saying that at Christmas time, that's, for us, that's not a big shocker. Like, it, we, that's, a, that's a big part of the Christmas story. You know, whenever, whenever the angel shows up and, and, and talks to the shepherds and then the whole host of them, or, or they show up and they're saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. You know, peace on earth, it's a, it's a phrase that shows up in a lot of the Christmas carols that we sing. You know, it was probably featured heavily on some of your decorative napkins that you use during your Christmas dinner. And, uh, and it's, even if you ask somebody who's not religious, who doesn't, you know, consider Christmas time to be something related to Jesus, uh, even they would say that this time of year is a time for promoting peace and, and goodwill. But what does it mean? Like, what does it mean that Jesus came to be the Prince of Peace? And, and what does it have to do with that feeling of, of, of emptiness, that, that feeling of anxiety that we have to the, towards the future? What does Jesus being the Prince of Peace have to do with that? And to answer that question, we need to have a, a little bit better understanding of what the Bible is talking about whenever it uses the word peace. You see, you and I, we might use the word peace a, a few different ways. A couple different things might come to mind. Uh, for us, you know, it might, it might mean the, uh, the ceasing of, uh, of hostilities. You know, peace is whenever we, we stop lobbing grenades at each other. Or peace is whenever we stop arguing about who cleaned the dishes last. You know, to some of us, peace, it, it sort of just, it, it means like tranquility, you know, peace as in the peace and quiet that your house doesn't have when your son has laser guns. You know, for, for us, sometimes peace just, you know, we just equate peace with, with calm. You know, peace is this, is this lack of conflict. It's this elevated level of calm. And, you know, there, there is a little bit of that to be found in the Prince of Peace title that Jesus is given. But that's just, it's just the tip of the iceberg when we're talking about the biblical concept of peace. 
Isaiah, this prophet that we've been, uh, we've been looking at, Isaiah, he, he would have spoken, his language, the language he would have spoken in and written in was the language of Hebrew. And I know that that's a language that you know, most of us here in the room probably don't speak, aren't that familiar with, but I wanna, I wanna point out this, this word peace in the language of Hebrew because it's very important. You see, the word that is often translated peace, the Hebrew word for that is shalom. And I, and I point it out because shalom, it's not, just, it's not just a word in the Hebrew language, it was a concept. It was, it was actually an incredibly foundational concept to, to the point where if, if I was walking up to you and giving you a greeting and I would say hello, or I was getting ready to leave and I, and I would tell you goodbye, a Hebrew speaker would potentially in both situations substitute the word shalom. And it's not because shalom had anything to do with, hey, you know, nice to see you, or, you know, peace, I'm out of here. It's because shalom is something that they were wanting for you, something they were hoping for you, wishing on you, that they were speaking into your life. You see, shalom, this, this idea of shalom, peace, it's so much more than just an absence of, of conflict. It's so much more than just elevated calm. It's a, it's a, it's a concept that implies true contentment. This, this shalom peace, it's something that implies completion, like th- that you would have everything that you need, that you would be lacking in nothing. This shalom peace, it's a concept that implies welfare. It's something that, that's saying, I want, you to be, I want you to be healthy, I want you to pr- be prosperous, I want you to have your needs met. I mean, this is a way better greeting than hello. <laughs> if, if I were to run into you at the grocery store, and whenever I saw you, I went up to you and I said, may you have everything you need. May your life be wholly satisfying. May it be complete. May it be lacking nothing. May it be absent of conflict. May it be complete. Well, I think I would get invited to dinner more often. That's, That's shalom. That's this idea of peace. And that's why that as we, as this idea of Jesus as the Prince of Peace is so important, especially as we're wrapping up this holiday season and heading into a new year where some of us are feeling like something's missing, where some of us are feeling anxious about what's to come, where, where some of us feel like there's this need in our soul that hasn't been met. We are in need of the Sar Shalom the Prince of Peace. You see this, this emptiness or this anxiety that we feel? It goes back. It goes back further than just this Christmas or, or, or previous years. See this, the emptiness, the anxiety that we're feeling, it's something that goes back to our very creation. We were created by God to be in relationship with him. And I say, every time I say that, I say this, that is mind boggling. The creator of the universe wanted you to exist. He wanted you. He wanted to know you. He wanted you to know him and to give him glory as he lavished on you the good gifts that a good father gives to his kids. And yet, Somewhere along the line, that relationship that we were created to have with God, we broke that through something that we call sin. Long story short is we looked at God's plan for our lives. We looked at the way that God was leading us to go and we decided to get into business for ourselves. 
We decided that we could figure this thing out on our own, that we would try and find what we could in this world to give us the life that we wanted to have. And so we lied, and we cheated, and we stole, and we hurt others, and we chased after fleeting pleasures, all trying to give ourselves the lives that we thought we wanted. And it left us with this emptiness. It left us with an emptiness today because we haven't found that thing that was going to fulfill us and satisfy us like we thought we would. And it's left us with this anxiousness for tomorrow because we're still looking for it and we're worried we're never gonna find it. No peace. No completeness. No shalom. And that unsatisfied feeling. It's not, it's not a result of, of Christmas. It's not a result of what's coming in a new year ahead. Anything that you might be thinking, you might attribute it to. It is the unavoidable result of not having the relationship with God that you were created to have. It is, it is that feeling that you aren't satisfied because you aren't complete And once we broke that relationship with God, we didn't have any way to set it right again. That's why we needed Jesus. Jesus is the Prince of Peace because he came to make peace between us and God. He came to set that relationship right again. Jesus came and lived a perfect life and then because of the sin debt that we had racked up, he died on a cross to pay all of it to pay it so that we could have our relationship with God restored, so that we could have that completion to who we were created to be. It's Isaiah, the same prophet that we've been, that we've been looking at, he, he said it like this in, in chapter 53, verses five and six. He said this about Jesus and what it is that Jesus was coming to do. He says, but he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. And that phrase, so we could be whole, in the Hebrew, it's shalom. He was beaten so that we could have wholeness, so that we could have completion, so that we could have peace. He was whipped so that we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Jesus came to earth he, as, as a baby. He lived this perfect human life, and then he gave up that life by dying on a cross so that we could be made complete, so that our relationship with God could be restored. And that completion, it only comes through the Prince of Peace. And when you commit yourself to following Jesus, when you place your your faith and your trust in Jesus, then uh, the result is this. We read about it in Romans 5. It says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. This is the peace that Jesus came to bring to our lives. 
This is the resolution to our emptiness, to our, to our anxiousness, to our, our Christmas letdown. It's wholeness, it's restoration in our relationship with God. Now, if you're here in the room or if you're listening online and, and you're someone who has never placed your faith in Jesus, you've never said, I want to, I want to follow him, I hope, I hope that this is about the best news I could possibly give you. It's actually called the good news or, or the gospel. It means that you don't have to live a life of emptiness anymore. It means you don't have to have anxiety about the future. It means that you can be wholly satisfied. It means that you can be made complete and all you have to do is ask Jesus for it. That's good news. Now I wanna to talk to those in the room who are the, the professing Christians among us. Those who would say that they do have a faith in Jesus, that they have made that decision to follow him with their lives. Because you know, statistically speaking, and honestly on a really cold and snowy day like today, odds are that's more of the people who are here in the room than not. And we need to talk about something um, that just kind of, a, kind of a truth about Christians, a truth about those who have responded to that good news that we just have to kind of get out on the table. Sometimes what we say we believe and how we actually live don't always match up. Sometimes what we say we believe and how we live don't always match up. And I'm not saying that Christians have the market cornered on this by any means. In my experience, this is a fairly universal human condition that the things that we say we believe and the things we do are not always the same thing. But for us, those who call ourselves followers of Jesus, it's something that we have to kind of own and understand You know how that pertains to us because some of us are still feeling that same emptiness. Some of us are still feeling that same anxiousness about the future. And why is it that we're feeling those things after we've placed our faith in Jesus, after we say that we have trusted the Prince of Peace? I mean, if we're supposed to have this new peace in our lives, why do I still feel as empty or as anxious as somebody who has no hope in Jesus? Why do I still feel this way? And the answer, I think, is that some of us who have professed our faith in Jesus, or maybe a lot of us, but at different times, some of us who have professed a relationship with Jesus have said, I know that Jesus is what I need for completion without ever taking our eyes off of what the world says we need to be complete. We have said, I know I need Jesus to live this holy, satisfying life, and the way I want that to work out is to have Jesus give me everything I want in this world. That, that, that's how I want it to go. Since we're on the cusp of you know, New Year and, and New Year's resolution time, here's, a, here's something that may make this make sense. It's like, it's like saying, looking at your life, evaluating your life, and saying, what I need in my life is to get in better shape. And so I go and I go to the gym and I get the membership and I become a part of the club. But then I never go exercise and I keep eating junk food and I wonder why I'm not getting any healthier. Sometimes we as Christians, we recognize that what we need to make our lives complete is Jesus. What we need is him. And so we go and we, we say we place our faith in Jesus and we get baptized and we, we call ourselves a Christian but we keep chasing after the things that the world is chasing after and we wonder why we aren't any more satisfied. 
A good example to kind of drive this home maybe would be money. Money kind of gets down to the point of it for a lot of people. You know, our world says that you need money to have satisfaction. Our world would say that, you know, money equals security. Money equals having your needs met. Money means that you can, you know, have more freedom so that you can work less, so that you can experience more, so that you can have more. But those with more money, despite maybe some economic advantages, they don't seem to have relationships. Relationships aren't just a lot easier. The divorce rate's pretty high if you have a lot of money. You know, it's not as though they have so much less stress. They've got so much more peace in their life because they have more money. No, more often there's more stress associated with the more that you have. But Christian, look at yourself. Look at your life. Have you honestly, since you've been following Jesus, can you say that you have never said that, you know what, I think that my life would actually have more peace in it if I just had more money? Like, I think that if, if I, the anxiousness that I'm feeling, the emptiness that I'm feeling, that I, I think that that could actually be solved if I had more money. Can you say it? I can't. How about relationships? You know, the world says that if you just, if you find that perfect someone, or even if you find, you know, that great group of friends, then that's gonna fill the void in your life. And yet, it never quite seems to work that way. It's like, well, I find the perfect person until, you know, they stop being the perfect person, and then I dump that person so that I can go try and find the next perfect person, because I'm sure that's gonna be the person. And yet, Christians... How many of us are guilty of putting our, our fulfillment, our satisfaction on the back of a human relationship? I could plug any number of things into this equation, achievement and recognition at work, you know, a, a, athletic achievement for you or for your kids. You know, having that next, that next thing, any number of things we could possibly own, if I could just have that house that had the basement, if I could just have that car, you know, the technology, whatever it might be. Christian, if you still feel incomplete, even though you have professed faith, said that you want to follow with your life the Prince of Peace, might I suggest that it's not him you are seeking to find completion? That maybe you're still chasing after the things of the world. In John 14, Jesus was talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. He was talking about how after he left, believers would actually have God living inside of them, guiding them throughout their lives. In 1427, Jesus said this. He said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Peace from Jesus doesn't look anything like what it is we try to find in this world. So even if you call yourself a Christian, you can't keep seeking what the world says you need to find peace. I'll even up the ante a little bit. I'll push it a little bit further. If you keep clinging on, holding on to the things the world says will give you peace and satisfaction, you are never going to find it. In Matthew 10, Jesus says something very unexpected and quite unchristmassy, if I do say so myself. He says this, he says, don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. 
I came not to bring peace, but a sword. Now that doesn't sound exactly something like someone who is called the Prince of Peace should be saying. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. This, this would just flat sound wrong to us if we didn't understand the difference between Jesus and the peace that he came to bring between us and God and the things of this world that we try to cling on to to find some sort of fulfillment. Jesus says, I came to cut a sharp divide between you having a wholeness in your relationship with God and the things you're clinging to in the world. Later in this passage, he says, if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, if you hold on to those relationships, these things will complete me. If you hold on to your recognition and achievement and these things will complete me or your experiences to complete you or your health or your prosperity to complete you, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, if you surrender those things over to me, if you let go of the things in the world that you're clinging to, you will find it real life, real peace, completeness. Church, this is the only way we can be free of the emptiness that comes from the things that we don't have and from the anxiety that we feel about the future ahead. Completeness comes from complete surrender to Jesus. Not looking to find satisfaction in the world anymore. So my challenge, my encouragement to us is a simple one. It's not easy, but it's simple. In 2018, give your whole life to Jesus. Whatever it is that you have been holding back, whatever it is that you have been chasing to find happiness or to fill some sort of void in your life, surrender it to him. Give it up for the sake of seeking Jesus more. And now I, I wanna try and get really practical with what I mean about surrendering it to Jesus because I know that whenever I was a young Christian, nothing drove me nuts quite like, you know, sitting in a room and listening to a preacher or a speaker say, whatever it is that you've got in your life, just give it over to God. Just whatever it is, just give it over to God. And me, I'm sitting there, you know, with, with sincerity of heart, I'm sitting there going, okay, God, this thing, I am giving it over to you. Did you take it? Are we good now? And it seems like despite how sincere I was about wanting to give that thing over to God, I always seem to walk out of the room still carrying it with me. And so here, here's a little bit of what I've learned, a little bit of what I have picked up. It's this. I have been seeking the things of the world to find completion, to find fulfillment, to find peace for a really long time. 
when I walk out into the world, whenever I get on the internet, whenever I listen to the radio, watch TV, whenever I'm around other people who aren't Christians, and whenever I'm doing all that, there is this message coming at me in big ways and in subtle ways all the time telling me these are the things of the world that you need to be whole, to be satisfied, to be complete. Because I've been seeking those things for a long time, because that message is surrounding me all the time, this is what I've learned. It takes a lot more than just good intentions if you wanna truly surrender your life to Jesus. You have to be intentional in your actions. If I want to be different, I've gotta do things differently. It's gonna take making changes to my thoughts and making changes to my patterns in order to see a different result. I can't just buy the gym membership and expect to be in shape. I've actually gotta go exercise. So the rest of our time this morning, I just wanna look at some things that, I wanna look at some of the things that run opposite to the peace that Christ wants us to have. And I wanna look at some ways that we can practically surrender to Christ to find it. You know, with us just being, you know, a couple hours away from a new year, I think that worry is one of those things. Worry is something that runs so opposite to what it means to have the peace of Christ. And yet I'm sure if I walked around this room, I wouldn't have trouble finding somebody, maybe everybody, if I asked, hey, what are you worried about coming up in 2018? And us not having to work too hard to find an answer. Now, maybe you're like me, maybe you've been around church long enough that you know it's like, oh, Jesus says not to worry. So, you know, I'm not gonna say that I'm worried about things. I'll just, uh, I'll just find a different, uh, different word to put on it. You know, I'm not, I'm not worried about anything because I know that worry is wrong. So I'm not worried about that. I'm just kind of anxious. You know, I'm just sort of anxious about it. Okay, anxious is kind of the same thing as worried. So, you know, I'm not anxious about it. No, that's a bad word. No, I'm, I'm concerned. You know, I'm not worried about it. I'm not anxious about it, but I'm concerned. You know, I'm, I'm kind of looking ahead. I'm concerned. No, no, that actually, that's kind of the same thing too. So no, I'm not, you know, I'm not worried. No, I'm not anxious. I'm not concerned. I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested in how it's going to go in the future. I'm not worried. I'm not anxious about it. I'm concerned. I'm, I'm not concerned. I'm interested in how it's going to go to the point that it causes me physical discomfort. Um, <laughs> call it what you want, folks. It's worry. And it is the opposite of what Christ is inviting us to experience in his peace. And so whether it is worry about relationships or health issues or job issues or income, it's keeping you from having the peace that you were invited to experience in Christ. And we've gotta change our patterns if we are going to wanna get free from this worry that is holding us down. And the biblical author, Paul, he tells us how to do this in Philippians chapter four. Starting in verse six, he says this. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. 
Now, as a Bible teacher, I gotta tell you, it, one thing that you should never do with the Bible is just like flip it open and expect it to be a self-help book. It's not like you can just open to any random page and it's like, oh, here's, you know, 10 points for how to live a better life. Like, that's not, that's not what the Bible's about. But, but if there was ever a place that gave you some really good step-by-step guidance, Paul does right here. He says, instead of worrying, stop worrying. Instead of doing that, pray about everything. He doesn't just say, pray about the things that you would be worrying about. He says, pray about everything. Tell God about your life. Tell him about the big things that are going on. Tell him about the small things that are going on. Talk to him. If you're gonna do this or if you're gonna tell him about everything, it means you're gonna have to talk to him a lot. You're gonna have to develop this pattern of talking to him on a regular basis, filling him in, letting him know these are the things going on. God is inviting you to do this. He's asking you to do this. The God, the creator, the one who is in control of all the stuff wants you to tell him about all of the stuff. And then he says after that, he says, tell God what you need. So, so as you're telling him everything that's going on in your life, the big things and the small things, tell him what you need. Because nothing quite puts our worry into perspective whenever we're able to differentiate the things that we need from the things that we want. And our list of needs is often a whole lot shorter than our list of wants. So tell him what you need. Talk it out. Have a good understanding of it. And then thirdly, he says, and thank him for all he has done. Be thankful to God. Be thankful that you have life. Be thankful if you are are a Christian, if you're a professing believer, be thankful that you have been given the salvation in Jesus. Be thankful that you have been given the hope of eternity with him, not to mention all of the other ways that he has blessed you. Thankfulness is a mighty cure against worry and anxiety about the things in the future. Make this a pattern, like don't just do this one time. Make this a pattern in your life. And then this is what Paul says in verse seven. Then you will experience God's, what? His peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live for Jesus. If you establish this pattern of talking to God, telling him about what's going on in your life, telling him about your needs, thanking him for all that he's done, if you make this routine, if you make this a daily habit, if you make this a part of your lifestyle, then in place of worry, you will have peace. And that peace will actually guard your heart and your mind so that as you live, you aren't living for yourself, you aren't living for the things that the world tells you to chase, but you are able to live for Jesus. True peace. But it can't just be something we do occasionally. It can't just be a sort of, you know, I toss up, yeah, God, I give over my worries to you. This has to become lifestyle. Jesus wants you to have peace. He wants you to be free from worry. And we do that by having him involved in every part of our life, by talking to him and by thanking him for who he is and what he's done. Now, maybe, maybe you don't feel like somebody who's wrestling with worry particularly heavy. I think all of us deal with it to an extent, but maybe it's not something that you're feeling is keeping you from peace right now. And so if that's you, then maybe the thing that is keeping you from peace, from feeling complete, from feeling whole is your desire. 
your, your desires for, for things that, that you don't have, that you think if you did have, that, that it would make your life feel more complete if you had it. And you know what? I, I've, got a, I've got a list of his desire here in my notes, and I said this last service. It's, it's cold out. We're all friends here. Let's call it what it is. It's idolatry. It's saying that I need something. I've got God, but I need something else in order for my life to be complete. Something else is more important than God in my life, and my heart is chasing after that thing to fill some sort of void in my life. And if that's the case, if that's something that you're doing, if you're, if you're chasing after a relationship, if you're chasing after more prosperity or more recognition, one of those things, it's never gonna fill the void in your life. Now, I want you to hear me in this church. If, if you're somebody who is single and, and you have a desire for a spouse, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. If you're somebody who, who, who would love to have more because you have been in some tough financial situations or, or, or wants to have more so that you can, you know, you know, dote on your family a little bit, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. Those are, those are good gifts that, that God wants to give, but they are a horrible substitute for God. A horrible substitute for God. They cannot take his place. And if you are chasing after those things, if, you, if your heart is after those things, instead of being committed to Christ, they're not gonna come through for you. You're not gonna find the peace that you're looking for. So practically, surrendering those things, surrendering the things that we've been chasing to God, again, it means changing our patterns, if you've been spending time seeking those things to kind of fill your emptiness in 2018, spend time seeking God more. If you've been trying to fill a void in your life through an achievement or a recognition, well then why don't you set a goal to achieve something that'll have significance for Christ and his kingdom? You know, instead of saying, you know, I will, I will finally, you know, feel like a, a complete person whenever I've, you know, run that marathon. Why don't you say, you know what, instead of setting the goal for the marathon, I'm going to set a goal to go on a mission trip. If you're someone who has said, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this class, I'm going to take this course, and, you know, it's going to help me improve either in my work or, or as, a, as a person, and that's going to fill me up. Well, maybe instead of doing that, maybe you take one of our equipping groups, you know, I'm a community life plug here because, hey, I got the stage. Uh, we've got a new batch of equipping groups, these classes that are starting on January 21st. Classes that go six to eight weeks. And man, we have some incredible teachers here among our congregation. I sat under these folks. I've learned from them. They teach me so much every time I do. Man, look into these. You, look into growing in your relationship that way. Again, I'm not saying things like running a marathon or taking a self-help course. I'm not saying those are bad things. But if you are using those things to try and fill some sort of void in your life, get those things out and spend that time trying to grow more in your relationship with Christ. If you're someone who has been seeking a relationship to fulfill you, you're someone who's been seeking out after that, maybe instead in 2018, spend your time building relationships that are gonna help you grow closer to Jesus. 
If you're, if you're single here, let me, let me get you connected with Joy Sullivan, who is working to start a singles community here at our church. You know, I know sometimes the church has, has let down the single people among us because we focus a lot on, you know, marriage and parenting and some of those things. But we have people who love the, the singles and want to help them find Christian community and want to help them become a, mobilized and become a force for serving the kingdom like we know that you are. Focus on building those relationships. Let us help you. You know, plug in, again, any number of different things. If you're, if, you're, if you're trying to fill the void, the emptiness in your life by having more money or more stuff, the, the surefire cure to thinking that money is gonna fill the void in your life is to give more away. And I'm not talking about just throwing a little bit of money in the offering box every now and then. I'm talking about developing a lifestyle of generosity. And I, I, I don't have time to talk through all of the different things that we might be chasing after in this world, but I hope that you see that the way to find peace in your life isn't finally catching any of those things, but it is finding more Jesus. It is prioritizing Jesus. It is chasing after Jesus more praying more, spending more time in God's word, learning more, joining a Christian community that'll help you grow, getting on mission. The way to find true completeness in your life is complete surrender to Christ. And Jesus wants you to experience wholeness. He wants you to experience peace. But it only comes when we surrender to him. We're gonna go into a time of communion this morning. And communion is a time where we stop and where we reflect on the greatest gift that was ever given to us, Jesus dying on a cross for us to restore our relationship with God. We take a little piece of bread that reminds us of Jesus' body. We take a little cup of juice that reminds us of Jesus' blood. And as we do that this morning, my hope for you, my prayer for you, my challenge to you is that as you thank him, that you would surrender to him. That you would say, Jesus, I don't want you to just have a part of me. I don't I don't want to just be the one who says that you know, you're, you're all that I need in life. I want to wholly surrender to the Son of God who would die for me. That we would stop and that we would reflect and we would just remember how much he loves us and that he did that, that he died for us so that we wouldn't be chasing anymore. Would you pray with me? Father God, Lord, we, we just thank you. Lord God, we thank you for sending your son. We thank you for loving us so much, creating us, wanting relationship with us. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for dying for us. We thank you for giving up your life, giving up yourself so that our relationship with God could be made whole. Lord, I pray that we would surrender our lives to you, that we would hand over ourselves wholly and completely to you so that we could find completeness, that we could find ourselves in you. Lord, in this time, we thank you so much for the cross. We thank you for loving us so much. And Lord Jesus, it is in your great name that we pray, amen.